You may enjoy going to see animals at the zoo, but do the animals enjoy seeing you? (laughs) Some researchers wanted to know, so they studied 250 different species. They skipped primates because, you know, they seem to be as fascinated with us as we are with them. So the animal that seemed to enjoy human visitors the most was? Beluga whales. (laughs) Probably aquarium. Yeah, I don't think they did aquarium animals. It was elephants. Hmm. Not surprising because elephants are known to be empathetic. Parrots liked humans. Rounding out the list of animals that responded positively to men and women being there were cheetahs, jaguars, penguins, grizzly bears, polar bears, and black-tailed prairie dogs. (laughs) And uh, I really hate to break your heart, but giraffes were not thrilled with us humans. I guess maybe that's why they have us feed them. You know, every time I go, I feel like they're looking down their noses at me anyway. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so, I wonder if they, they uh, would be able to go into the reptile house, which is my least favorite of Ooh. any place in smell, the zoo. It always doesn't it? it it's Ooh. dank and it's dark. It's like my worst nightmare come true. Is Do you rep- go in there? House. Do you face your I've fears? I've through it. Yeah, Look at but, you. but it's not a fear. It's just a... Ugh. You hate snakes. <laughs> I do not love... But they're behind glass, and I'm pretty sure they can't get out. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I don't know about you, but one of my favorite movies is Midnight in Paris. Oh, it's a it's good movie. It's such a good movie. Yeah. And um, there's something they're doing in Paris that is a throwback to the good old days. A long time ago. I'll tell you what's up in just a minute. Even if you've never been to Paris, you can envision what it's like. The Eiffel Tower, the Seine River... And it, there is um, something that's going to happen in Paris that's going back to the good old days, old school. And so what they're doing is they're trying to get the city all spiffy, all ready for the 2024 Olympic Games. Right. Um, and so what they're going to do is bring back swimming in the River Seine. Mm-hmm. It was banned 100 years ago because of pollution. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to clean it up. And people are going to be, they call it, they're paving the way for aquatic leisure. So who knows? <laughs> if you finally script and save and save up for that dream trip to Paris, you might want to pack your bathing suit because you can go swimming in the River Seine. That's oh. insane. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag dad joke. I don't know that I'm doing that. I saw that story a while ago and I thought, man, if I'm an Olympic athlete, I've trained my whole life. I, I watch my I watch my diet down to the macronutrients, and then I'm going to jump in this river <laughs> to swim. And then tourists will be able to as well. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it'll be scenic. It'll be beautiful. I just the only thing request I have is you have to wear the same type of bathing suits they wore 100 years ago with like the black and white stripes and the little inner tube and the straw hat. Right. That's the rule. Because okay. then it really looks like okay. old time Paris. Everyone has a picture in their mind of like Michael Phelps getting ready to swim in one of his events. He's got the hoodie up. He's got the real determined look. Now imagine him in that scenario with the straw hat <laughs> <laughs> and the stripy bathing suit all the way down to his ankles. I don't know that that's going to fly. Although it is really funny to think about it. So do you have uh, certain hats that you wear that you enjoy more than others? We all do, right? We you all mean wear a, a bunch of hats. You hat or like a, a role in life? A role in life. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I was going through like, okay, which hats do I really love? <laughs> We're going to talk about that next. So we all wear a lot of hats in life, not physical hats like Kevin was talking about, um, but our roles. And 
I got to tell you, one of my all-time favorites is being an aunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, it was National Aunt and Uncle Day. And I started thinking about it. I have 11 nieces and nephews. I mean, that's a huge blessing right there, just to begin with. And I think one of the reasons I love that role so much is God chose not to bless me and Glenn with biological children. And it's been one of the biggest pains in my life, like the biggest sorrows and losses. But yet one of my biggest joys is being an aunt and getting to be involved with these precious kids. And I even have some friends that uh, because they know about um, my fertility issues, they um, they have their kids call me Aunt Taylor. And mm. it's just the sweetest thing. But um, my I kids just grew up doing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You taught them to do that, too, which is so sweet. So. Uh, anyway, I just I just had to take a minute to just give a shout out to all the aunts and uncles listening, especially if you weren't able to have kids of your own. You still get to parent and mother in in a different way just mm. by being that extra set of support to those parents. And I have a rule. I never disagree with the parents. Mm. I might talk to kids, but I'll be like, hey, you need, your number one job is to honor your mother and father. Mm. Um, so I always try to back up the parents in my role as auntie. Okay, so we're talking about uh, being an aunt or being an uncle. And and, uh, way back when, I was only like 18 years old, and uh, I was looking for a job for the summer. And my stepsister said, hey, I need someone to watch Greg. Greggy, we called him all summer. Why don't don't you watch him for me? I'll I'll pay you. I was like, sweet. Are you kidding? So it was Kev's daycare, like the whole summer. (laughs) And we would go and do stuff. And... uh, to say I wasn't the staunchest disciplinarian is an understatement. Like we went to the mall, like people used to do that back then. And it was a mall with one of those big fountains and there was money in there. And he was like, I'm going to grab a quarter. I was like, okay, go ahead. Get me one while you're in there. <laughs> no. And he go, well, wait, it gets better. He goes, no, I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting in the fountain. I said, I don't care. Go ahead. He said, I'm, I'm doing it. He took off his shoes and socks and waded into the fountain. I'm not kidding you. Did mall security come? Oh, yeah. They came and they're like, you got to get out of there. Please tell me they're on a Segway. (laughs) No, this is before. (laughs) The Segways weren't a thing back then. And thank goodness there were no security cameras either. They're like, you guys need to get out of the fountain. Well, you guys, you need to get out of the fountain and you need to get out of here. Is he your kid? I was like, nope. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Because he wasn't. (laughs) Okay, be honest. Who spends more time on their phone, you or your kids? Six in 10 parents admit it's them. No kidding. (laughs) On average, parents spend nearly five hours a day on electronic devices compared to the less than four hours they spend on meaningful activities with their kids. More than half of parents here in the USA are looking for ways to escape technology and reconnect with their kids. I thought this was fascinating a survey, but hmm. I don't know about you, Kev, but every time I talk to parents who go on a trip where they don't have Wi-Fi, like camping or a cruise, mm-hmm. they seem to adore the trip and feel more connected to their kids when they get back. Yeah, you have to put in like a two-day buffer, though, for your kids to go through all the the, uh, the, what, the, the stages of grief. <laughs> <laughs> Anger, denial, yeah. the, the whole bit. <laughs> you think it would be fun to be in the Guinness Book of World Records? Coming up, Kev, this is one your son Kyle may mm. consider. Hey, this is your guaranteed put you in a good mood story of the day. Kev, you know how you're always saying we should try to get into the Guinness Book of World Records? Well, this could be one for your son Kyle. This 45-year-old guy named Alistair Brown from Northern Ireland 
just broke the world record for time spent on his drums. <laughs> he surpassed his goal, which was 150 hours. That's over six days straight of drumming. He did it. He just kept drumming after that. I love their Irish accents are so great. And what is really makes it special is he did it to raise money for pancreatic cancer in honor of his late wife, Sharon. Oh, wow. What a sweet story. You ever have one of those days where you feel like your guardian angel is having to work overtime? (laughs) We're going to talk about that next. Do you ever feel like you have those days where your guardian angel must be on like overdrive overtime like my entire life (laughs) yeah so i i put my guardian angel in overdrive just in one trail run the other day so here's what happened i get to the trail and i realize first i don't have my running poles with me which makes your run kind of like cross-country skiing like it works your core and it gives you this extra layer of protection from roots and rocks because you've got these appendages that you know kind of help you with balance So I was right away. I was like, oh, I better be careful. And sure enough, I had one of those moments where my toe caught on a root of a tree. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm like Superman. Like my arms are out like and I didn't fall. Guardian angel. Unassisted by your poles. And you didn't fall. I was unbelievable. (laughs) I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Because once you've broken your wrist once, your brain goes to what could happen. So that was guardian angel protection number one. Second, I get back to my car at the end of the trail run. I'm just so dripping in sweat. I'm so thirsty. I can't wait to unlock my car Turn it on, get the air conditioning going, and get a huge drink of water that's in my thermos in my car. And my car won't open. I'm like, no, no. Because it was <laughs> my first time back to this trail that where I had gotten, um, someone tried to break into my car before. I was like, mm-hmm. <gasps> what's happening right now? And then I feel my running pants pockets, and I'm like, my key fob is gone. No. And so I think, oh my goodness, I've got to retrace the entire run. I have to do this hour-long run again and hope I can find my key fob. What -hmm. if someone picked it up? What if they think they're helping me by picking it up? And I'm just like in overdrive of like, just start praying like, Lord, please help me to find it. Please help me. And I start running back the way I came. And it was right there in the middle of the trail where I had taken one picture of of the river. I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. So then I like run back to my car. I get the air conditioning going. I get my drink of water and I hit the reverse button to pull out. And thank you, Jesus, for backup cameras. Because all of a sudden my backup camera is like, beep, 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 beep. I look in the camera. There is a little teeny tiny dog right behind my car, not on a leash. Wow. And thank God I heard the beep. I was paying attention. I wasn't on the phone. And I saw the little dog and I stopped and I waited for the owner to corral the dog. So what you're saying is at the end of that day, somewhere in the heavenly realms and our guardian angel of the day is Taylor Scott's guardian angel. Absolutely. Good job. I'm so grateful. Well done you. That's funny that your your guardian angel was working overtime the other day. Yeah. Um, just, just in one hour while you're on, on a trail. Yes. And uh, I think about that, that a lot. Like just how life 
can be this mixed bag. I mean, think about just that scenario, right? You go out on this this run, beautiful day, mm-hmm. you're out running, you're living your best life. Mm-hmm. And then while that awesome thing is happening, and you think about how if 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 you really think about it, we are privileged to be able to do things like that. Oh, like if you if you have the 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 time to exercise every day, mm-hmm. I mean that is just such a such a, a gift. If you have the if you have the ability to exercise somewhere where it's like a beautiful surrounding, maybe a park near where you live, or maybe the apartment complex where you live has a nice like walking trail or something. I mean, those are all just really, really cool things. But the older I get, the more I realize that life is a mixed bag in the middle of, I don't know, walking through your apartment complex on that beautiful walking trail. Someone didn't pick up after their dog and you stepped in it. Right? <laughs> That's happened it's to like me. <laughs> life, the older I get, yep. is more of a mixed bag like that. Yeah. I used to, when our kids were younger, I would say, like, why can't everyone be doing great simultaneously? It's like if three of our four kids were doing great, one of them, the, the wheels were coming off the cart, or any configure, if three were doing awful and one was doing great. It's never everybody all at once doing great. And I think that's what we call life. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's why Jesus tried to warn us and say, in this world you will have trouble. Right, right. Because it just seems like every time you get that, yay, we're winning. Wait, no, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think that that's our ability to navigate all of that. The highs and the lows. That's that's called living a life, right? Do you have set work hours or does your company give you flex time? There's a new trend in the hours we work, and you may see this in yourself or in your commute. People are working until late afternoon, skipping out early, taking an extended break, and then logging back in before bed to finish up. Hmm. The term for this is triple peak day because there are three different times when productivity spikes now. It used to be just two at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Now there's a third spike in productivity at 10 p.m. No kidding. (laughs) Basically, people are using their flex hours to leave work early, beat traffic, go pick up their kids. Then they're logging back in at home before bed to finish a project or Hmm. deal with leftover emails. Now, uh, management doesn't love it. Because now 4 to 6 p.m. is called a dead zone and it delays everything. But at this point, it's going to be hard to put the genie back in the bottle. Is that the adult equivalent of finishing your science project at midnight? Probably. (laughs) I mean, I love that it's to focus on your kids, but I could see where management's like you send an email at 3.30 and then you're not going to get a response till 10. It can't be healthy for our brains. Right. To keep engaging with work all mm-hmm. day long. Like over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, you got to flip that switch off sometime, right? Boy, parenting is a roller coaster of emotions, right? Coming up, could you be an eggshell parent? Well, you don't need anyone to tell you parenting is a roller coaster of emotions. One moment you're frustrated trying to get your kids ready for school and the next you're laughing over something cute or funny your kids said. But is there a chance that you've gotten to a point that you're what they call an eggshell parent? Experts say some moms and dads wear their emotions on their sleeves too much. Randomly crying during an embrace, acting warm and encouraging because of a stellar report card and then having an outburst over a messy room just minutes later. Your kids end up walking on eggshells when they witness a parent go from happy to infuriated in just minutes. Now, keep in mind, no parent is perfect. And it's normal for even the most calm, cool, and collected mom or dad to lose their temper once in a while. The important thing is that your child needs to feel like your love is consistent and safe. 
Sometimes these labels and things, they really irritate me. And this one does big time. Eggshell parenting. Like when my dad came home from work, we knew. Leave dad alone for about 15 or 20 minutes. What we didn't know as kids was my mom was looking out for him and us. He had just fought traffic. He had probably had a long, hard day at work, fought traffic and got home. You need to give dad some space, right? Smart, you know, is yeah. that is that eggshell parenting? If the second he came in, we'd have been like, dad, he was pushing me in and he blew up at us. Is he being an eggshell? No, he's being a human being, right? I mean, sometimes the expectations of perfection on parents nowadays are just absolutely ridiculous. And it comes at him from, comes at us mom and dad from every angle. So you do your deal. You be you. You're doing a great job. So that eggshell parenting thing, I don't know about you, but it just struck me as funny. And do you as a mom and as a dad ever feel like there is so much scrutiny and analysis of your parenting that it's it's just not fair to you? You're trying hard. You're doing the best that you can. And then you're critiqued because, you know, you lose your temper once. Ooh, someone's eggshell parenting. I don't know about you, but it, it, that just makes me feel like not great. How do you feel about that? Or do you think like, no, that's just the examine life and that's that's a good thing. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, Mary, we wanted to get your opinion on something. They say that, you know, every parent has a roller coaster of emotions. And of yeah. course, you're going to lose your temper with your kids. Like, that's a definite. But they say if you wear your emotions on your sleeve too much, like you cry one minute and then you're yelling the next minute, it can be like eggshell parenting. And Kevin was saying he had a really good point that, that just makes parents who are already working their tails off for their kids feel so judged. Oh, for sure. And what, once I went through a really tough time when I just had my oldest, and I remember telling my therapist I didn't want to cry in front of him. And she was like, it's okay to cry in front of your kids. They need to see you have emotions and then handle them. Mm. And that's hard to swallow as a parent because you just want to show strength. You just want to show, like... You're all together, but that's just not reality. Yeah. Right, right. And then when when you get that critique from all these different angles of like, oh, you know, you've got you can't do that because, you know, your kids will wind up not yeah. making the honor roll and they're going to fail out of college. And uh, it's just so unfair to parent. I mean, when did the expectation of parenting become perfection? Yeah. And if you lose your temper, it's OK to like show them you're sorry and show them how to, you know, because they're going to lose their temper, too. And they need a template to know how to apologize for that behavior. Right. And you can be that template. Yeah. Mm, great. Wow. Point. That's so good, Mary. Thank you so much. And, and knowing you're in the throes of it with three under the age of what, seven or eight. That mm, that means yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. And maybe last night I handled it by getting ice cream. You <laughs> yes. know, you just have to handle it the way you have to handle it. There you go. There you go. Hey, Esther, so what do you think? Do you think parents are under too much scrutiny and the expectation is perfection? Yes. And the thing that comes to mind to me is all my kids are grown. And I used to tell my kids, because, you know, they, they've made some of the same mistakes I've made. And I was a single parent, so I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> at all. And my son told me not too long ago, he's he's turning 30 this year and my youngest son told me he said mom because I said that's part of your childhood I'm so sorry you know I had all this guilt and he goes mom you need to figure that out for yourself he goes I don't have that guilt I know you did the best you could mm. and it really made me feel good but I still you know I parents we beat ourselves up so much about yes. what we didn't do right 
and there is so many things we do right by them too. We make mistakes, but mm. that's just one thing I'd like to add. You know, we beat ourselves up so much already. Yeah, we can't listen. I'm not saying not listen to other people, but you know. They don't know your circumstances. Right, right. And there's so many people offering opinions that have absolutely no investment in you or your kids. They're just spouting off opinions, right? They don't know the struggles you've been through together. They don't know as a single mom. I mean, my mom, from the time I was 11 on, she raised me and I saw how much she struggled. It was hard. I cannot imagine being under all that pressure as a single parent. And then the expectation is... I am steady, Eddie. I have no emotions. I don't blow up. And in what fantasy land does that happen, right? Right, right. And that's my grandson that you hear. It's my youngest son. Hey, buddy. And I just want to add this. It's so, the reason why I felt so much guilt is because my grandkids get so much more patience, so much more everything. And my son's like, Mom, you never let us jump on the couch. Mom, you never let us do that. And I go, I cannot tell you why I do that. It's just we we know that some of the small things are not worth. Yeah, and, so, and in honesty, the couch when your kids were younger were, was brand new, and now it's just that old thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, now I do have a brand new couch. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, thank I love listening to you guys, and... Um, you guys are very inspirational for me. Oh, thank Aww, thanks you. Thanks for hanging out with us, Esther. That's my sister's name, by the way. It was great talking to you. <laughs> thank you. You guys have a wonderful day. I think a lot of us uh, really, uh, really felt deeply moved when Tony Bennett passed away. I left my heart. It wasn't just his voice, right? It was just how, how he lived his life. I mean, his voice was enough. People like Frank Sinatra said, other people want to sing like me, I want to sing like Tony Bennett. I mean, that's pretty high praise, right? And when he passed away, there were so many tributes that people gave to him for the life that he lived. Something I never knew this about him. He was in, he served in World War II. He helped liberate a concentration camp. Wow. And he was demoted his rank down to private because back then you had segregated, uh, I guess, mess hall. Like you did not, the, the white soldiers and the black soldiers did not eat together. And his, that's insane. He had friends who were black and he ate with them. Good and for him. Wouldn't wow. stop. And they told him stop. And he said, no. And they demoted him. Um, so, anyhow, you know, you, you don't hear those stories often about someone. And it's probably why his son, who was his manager, DeAndre, who they called Danny. He was his manager for the last 30 years of his life. And he said, Tony, my father imbued the essence of of the American dream. He taught us all the remarkable, that remarkable opportunities will reveal themselves and that anything is possible when you stick to your passion, believe in yourself and dedicate your life to quality. And that is so true. He said he was an artist, a humanitarian, an inspiration to anyone who experienced his elegance and grace. He and I had an amazing journey together as father and son. Mm -hmm. And I'm simply proud and humble to say I am a small part of his legacy. Wow. What parent would not want their kid to say that about them when they pass? Mm -hmm. I just thought that was the most beautiful thing. And gosh, what a legacy he does leave us. The songs and the music, just incredible. Parents by nature do something kind of cool. They try to get their kids interested in stuff 
they're interested in. Oh, like yeah. you bought your kids bicycles. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Tracy loves it when your daughter April cooks. Yeah, try to inflict soccer on them. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess something similar is happening with our producer Griffin and his kids. Hmm, we'll find out what it is next. So uh, Griff is in the studio with us now, and I can totally relate to what Taylor was saying, that you want your kids to love the things that you love. And I think of just like today, my son Kyle is driving home from where he works as a musician. So that would be the first thing that I feel responsible for in his life, like my (laughs) love of music Music, transferred to his. But he's driving home to go to a soccer game with me. There you go. So that's pretty much (laughs) mission accomplished. accomplished right? right? Right, right. So what is it with your kids? Yeah, it's related to the whole music thing. You know, the other day we were just hanging out in the living room. The TV was on. And for some reason on the TV, there was Weird Al Yankovic. (laughs) There was a clip of him, you know, the legendary Weird Al. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And they should Legendary. Oh, he is. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't your dad get you into Weird Al? Yeah, my dad. started with him? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. They showed a clip of him dancing. You know, he dances kind of wacky and weird. Uh-huh. And my Th- daughter, that's the name. Yeah, <laughs> my daughter started cracking up. She has no idea who this guy is, and she's like dying laughing at watching him dance all silly on TV. I was like, huh? That guy, and I'm a big uh, Weird Al fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to show you some Weird Al music videos. So I showed the kids Weird Al music videos. And they were dying laughing. They thought it was the funniest thing because he has a lot of songs about food. You know, yeah. eat it and lasagna right. and fat and all yeah. these other. Yeah, other, yeah. They loved it they thought it was the greatest thing so so like they get it they get straight a's and you're like that's good child and then they say we love weird al yeah. and your heart grows oh, yeah. Yeah. Even better. Mission accomplished. Yes. My, my big question is so weird al has the, the weird al dance yeah. and your kids were doing it did you join them in doing the weird al dance with them no, I did not. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Grim, Grim, come on. That would be next. I out, thought maybe next, in the comfort of your home. Next level weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can't be weird with your kids, who can you be weird with, right? <laughs> oh, that's cool. I love it. You know, what comedian was for us with our kids. Weird stuff it was uh, Mr. Bean. Oh, yeah. yeah, our kids embraced him fully. I think maybe one of the reasons we all have our favorite social media platform is because there's too much social media. And Kev, I popped on to your favorite mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. Twitter. Wait till you hear what's trending. This is the coolest ever. This is pretty wild. Um, we all, we've been pretty open that Kevin's favorite social media platform is Twitter. X. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's going to be X soon. Um, if he can get the copyrights um, right. because Microsoft owns it right now. Um, I, mine is Instagram. That's my favorite. I have not joined TikTok. Mm-hmm. But today, of all days, I decided to pop on Twitter. I, I'm not sure why. I think I was looking for something specific. Okay. And when I saw what was trending, I was like, no way of all days for me to pop on Twitter. It is with close to 9,000 tweets. It's hashtag. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. And people are doing everything from posting Psalm 8613 for great is your mercy towards me to posting a kid in a hospital bed. Who's doing much better. And they're just like, thank you, Jesus for answering our prayers. It is the sweetest thing. So if you want to have a little fun today, of all days, check on in on Twitter and look at all the stuff that people are posting. Thank you, Jesus, about it's really oh, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah, made my day. See, and you wonder why I love Twitter so much. <laughs> you wonder. So we're talking about Twitter, and Taylor's all on board. She's going to be a Twitter fanatic. No, now. I just popped on today. <laughs> I have a Twitter account, and. 
thank you, Jesus was trending mm-hmm. and that just made me happy. That happens a lot. And uh, sometimes you, when you read some of those, you'll be like, oh, look, something Christian is trending. And you'll see like people, it's the opposite of what you think oh, it's going to yeah, be. Oh, yeah, today so. it's different. Like all this stuff is like ver- Bible yeah, verses cool. and what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's cool. and- Sometimes it goes it goes sideways. So you'll, you'll be like, hey. <laughs> Good to know. That's not what I thought this was. But the other thing that's happened since Mr. Musk has taken over because he's been very upfront, he wants to make money off of uh, Twitter, which I don't blame him. Of course he does. Uh, the number of ads that just pop up in your feed. It never used to happen before. Oh, really? For bizarre stuff. Hmm. It's the spaghetti shredder. You know what I mean? It's almost like all those infomercials <gasps> you used to see. On, I know why like, you got that ad. Late night TV or whatever. Um, but we get all, I get all kinds of weird, weird ads. I would love to hear what some of them are because they've got so much data on you and algorithms. And one of them is you post food pictures all the time from your wife cooking. Hmm. So I bet you what, that's why you got that spaghetti thing hmm. ad popping up. Cause Could they're like, be. okay, this guy is. A good one to target for cooking dollars. You're right. You're right. But I mean, some of the stuff is just weird, bizarre, made in China tchotchkes and devices that you're just like, what? (laughs) (laughs)